this is a big topic. Again, this is like saying we're going to talk about Islam, right? Or we're going to talk about Christianity or we're going to talk about cooking. Like it's such a broad topic that it's kind of hard to put into chunks, but we're going to do the best we can. I mean, you can expound on this for a long time, but just to review, we talked about, first of all, the not even suggestion, but the recommendation, the Paul pleading. He says, I beseech you. That's pretty much meaning I beg you. I beg you. That's an old term meaning beg. I beg you by the mercies of God. The fact that God's even having mercy to allow us to do this after us turning away from him, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed or fashioned according to this world, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove we can prove something with God's word. You want to put God to the test? You want to make sure he's real? You want to see if he's alive? You want to see if he exists? Prove it this way. You can prove what's good, the good, the good, right? Not many good. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That's based on Romans 12, 1 and 2. So we got through that. We got through, how do you know someone has an unrenewed mind? Or how do you know you have an unrenewed mind? Or I do and some things that the world looks at. And when I say the world, I mean the basic world system, right? You just grow up and you, the world without Christ. Let's say the world without knowing God, the, the way you just grow up naturally. Generally, right, if you are untouched by some kind of standard way of living that's outside of yourself, we naturally will tend to our own self-preservation, our own self-seeking, our own self-will. God comes and says, nope, there's, it's not about you. There's more than just you and your issues and your problems going on. And there's a reason that what you are seeking of yourself is not good. And he expresses that. He expresses that it's harmful. He expresses that it's idolatry. He's trying to get us to return back to him. And the world's thinking is very corrupt. It's very self-seeking. It's very uh, self-motivated. And somebody may say, well, what's wrong with looking after yourself? Nothing wrong with looking after yourself as long as that's not all you're looking at, right? Or if that's not the first thing you're looking at. And even the Bible says, let every man not look to his own things, but on how you can help somebody else. Because most of the time you can't do both, right? The believer believes God's with them so he can focus on other things because he knows God's got me. So let me help somebody, God, they may not know God has them, or they may not be walking with God, so God does can't have them, because God, he's holy, right? So he can't deal with people who are unholy. He can deal with you from a distance, but if you want to have that real strong connection with God, like Jesus had, this is one of the things that he did. He changed his mind away from what the common person thought to what God thought. And that's pretty much what we've gone with, renewing your mind. So now we're going to go into part two. We are just picking up with renewing the mind. We're basing it off of the scripture from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the subjects we are going over were, what are red flags of an unrenewed mind? And the first one was struggling to accept God's way over the world's way. And we were still working through that subject when we closed out the last podcast. A reading from the initial blog post that all of this information was based on, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off. Romans 12.2 explicitly states that we are transformed by renewing our minds. We become the new being in Christ as our minds become like Christ. How? 
Our minds must be transformed by reading, believing, and accepting the word of God as truth. In order to live like God, we must think like God. We discover how God thinks by reading God's word, which is the Bible. We spend every living moment immersed in the world and subject to its influence. We now must make it a priority to immerse ourselves in the Bible and allow it to change our understanding. We must stay immersed in God's word to protect ourselves from allowing the world's corrupt influence to creep back into our way of thinking. I want to go ahead and uh, stop right there, actually, because that's a really big point. Since we were born, we have been just influenced by the world, whether it's our parents thinking, which is also influenced. I mean, we're just we're in the world. Literally, we are in the planet Earth. We're surrounded by other people who are on the planet Earth who all have varied beliefs. Some people are atheists. Some people are agnostic. So some people believe that there is no God. Some people believe there's a God, but he's just out there or she's out there doing her own thing. There are people who do believe that there's a God and they have their own religion that they believe best expresses who God is. So with all these varying perspectives coming together, we wind up with a worldview that is simply contrary to God. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that it's the most evil thing. It doesn't mean that it's it's just contrary to what the word of God says. And if you're doing anything contrary to what he says, even by a little bit, you're not going to get his results. So considering the fact that we're in this world where we're constantly being influenced, billboards on the road, commercials on TV or the radio, a lot of us spend our time on the internet as our primary form of media entertainment really now. So, I mean, just imagine social media, especially bombard you with so many different, so many different views. And then if one person speaks up in a definitive way about their beliefs, you've got a slew of comments. Some are supportive, some attack, some are just objective. So you're around this 24 seven, you actually have to take time out of your day to plug into what God is saying. And this is actually, it's necessary. You have to take, you have to take the time. You have to make the time to take the time to see what God is saying to you. Whereas with all the other thoughts of the world, they're just there. They're all the time. You're at work. You got your coworkers talking in the background. You're at church. But I don't have any time. I got kids. I got mouths to feed. I got bills. My TV show coming on tonight. <laughs> and it is easy to make an excuse just to continue the way you've always been. But we already know that you get what you give. If you choose just to continue to live the way you're living, then you do, you'll do just that. And I, and I know I'm being cavalier with that because some people are very busy. Right. But I heard a preacher say a long time ago and it kind of made me because I was busy like that. Like I just my schedule was full. I would write out my schedule hour upon hour and sometimes on the half hour with things that I had to do. The majority of it was things I had to do. I'd say maybe 70, 80 percent was like what I had to do or felt like I had to do. Then the rest, you know, 20 to 30 percent was things that are worth things that, you know, I didn't really have to do, but they're important. You know, I need to get done somewhere down the line and I just put it in my schedule. And I heard a preacher say, you know, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy, right? Like, how do we get so busy that we're too busy for God, like he's the one who gave us the things in the first place. He didn't give it to us to make us stressed out, right? If we're handling it and we're stressed, we have a problem. If we're, we need to make time. There is no fine time in your schedule as it is. Make time, set time aside, cancel some of the things that are unimportant. Look at what's urgent on your list and what's not urgent. And sometimes if you're really seeking God, you may have to just stop. 
just stop everything because this is important, right? I mean, if it's true, after you leave Earth, and even the time you're on Earth, because we're talking about how you can be blessed while you're on Earth, and what you're supposed to do while you're here, making a living sacrifice. After your time on Earth, eternity awaits. If it's not true, you didn't miss out by doing some practices that are just going to make your life better in the first place. Right? If it's not true, then you just cease to exist, but at least you could have had a good life here. If it is true, your whole eternity is based on this, and then your life here can be blessed. And it starts now. Heaven on earth starts now. That's what I mean by Christianity is a relationship. It's not a form of practices you do. God's trying to turn you into the best you you can be. That's why he says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's your reasonable service and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants you to, he wants to take you and transform you. Only he can do that. So you do have to make time. You, you do have to put time aside to put this in your schedule. And if you tuned into the previous podcast, part one of Renew Your Mind, we address how this is a spiritual exercise. We have physical exercise where you go to the gym and you increase in stamina and power and speed as you work out. It's the same thing here. We don't expect you or God doesn't necessarily expect you to go from your day to day routine to where well, I have to take out time for God. And then all of a sudden you're just committing your entire day to him. It's baby steps. And also you have to remember that it may be difficult simply because you now have to retrain your mind and how you're thinking you have to redirect your interests, and it can be tough sometimes so baby steps you don't need to go and read the entire new testament in a day maybe you just get one scripture reference we've given you a few here if you listen to the previous podcast but you could just take one of those read it in the morning read it on your lunch break read it before you go to bed and don't just read it, but actually take time and consider what it's saying to you. And that is meditating scripture, just taking five minutes to go over a scripture or even make it easier. As often as you eat, go over one of these scriptures, or if you have a scripture that's important to you, just so that you can get yourself into the habit of checking in with God throughout the day, instead of getting so caught up in your own way. And then, of course, you can always go to GiveSuntiment.com where we have blog posts and also we have our podcast here on Anchor FM where you can even listen to one of our podcasts. Kind of we do the work for you until you're strong enough to walk on your own or until you have something that is on your heart to look at. Just starting with one scripture that every time you eat, you read that scripture and you read it to understand what it's saying to you. Don't speed read through it, but like really take your time and look at each word, look at each sentence understand what God is saying to you. And that'll start to refocus your mind on the things that God has to say. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, let's move on to the second point, uh, the second red flag of an unrenewed mind, not knowing who we are in Christ. And I think that this is a big problem in the church. So going back to the blog, A common misconception among people is assuming that it is God's will that they are a certain way or that they're in certain situations seemingly beyond their control, even if it's contrary to God's way. Sadly, this is true among believers as well, or followers of Jesus Christ. Some people don't know, others simply don't want to know so they don't have to change. 
and I think that these this subject right here is kind of heavy it's kind of loaded in and of itself we'll keep it somewhat brief because we are trying to keep this podcast short but I want to reiterate that it is a common misconception among people to think that it's God's will for them to be a certain way because maybe it seems like it's too difficult to change too often in conversation I have heard people saying well that's just the way I am but then when you start to read the word of God you start to see that 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 negates exactly what he's saying. You know, for example, if he says not to worry in a scripture, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God or in layman's terms, don't worry. Just tell me what you need. Give me thanks for it. Pray about it. Let me handle it. So he's telling us, don't worry. But a lot of people who have gotten into the habit of worrying, because of course, being alive, there's a lot you could worry about. And it's easy to worry about stuff. So for God to come and say, hey, don't worry. It's like, who are you to tell me not to worry? Do you see what my life is like? Do you see what this situation, this situation, this situation is like? And it's easy just to dismiss the fact that he said, don't worry, because your life is full of so much to worry about. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I think that's good uh, to mention that. And I think that a part of that, too, when we're dealing with the things of God, what we can run into is going back and forth with God. And he actually invites that. He said, come, let us reason together. But we should do it with awe and we should do it with reverence because that would cut out a lot of the worry and concern itself. Yeah. Like we're saying, you know, God, you don't understand. Like, man, if anybody understands his God, okay? Not only did he understand in his own knowledge, which is infinite, but he sent someone down here to actually walk through it and actually deal with it firsthand. He sent himself down here to walk through it. Not like he didn't know, but so that you could see that he knew. That was that was It was that important for him to know that you knew, that he knew about what you know about, right? So that's when we understand that we're dealing with someone who is the answer, does have all the solution, does understand a better way, it's a lot easier, right? Like if I'm having trouble with my computer, or if I'm having trouble with my children, if I go to somebody who's an expert proven in it, you know, someone who knows it back and front, you know, very efficient in computers, builds computers on their own, I'm going to be comforted when they say, hey, don't worry about this, even if I don't understand what's going on. Or if I go to someone who's raised a help people to save their children and help people to rear their children and get them off of bad paths or something like that. Or, you know, they, they are kind of a what we would call a guru at this. I would really feel at ease if they were saying, hey, man, don't worry, even if my kid was acting crazy or even if the situation was crazy, let's say my kid's not even doing anything, even if the situation is crazy. This is who we're dealing with when we're dealing with God. But it's for some reason, because of not being familiar with him or not reverencing him, he says something that's, of course, doesn't make sense to us, just like anybody else may do. And then we're kind of like, well, I don't know if that's enough. You know, I don't know if I can take your word for it. And this is all about faith. Right. When we come to God, we got to believe that he has the answer, that he'll reward us, that he'll make things clear, that he'll make things work for us, that he'll He'll make, give us. He will do what this is. Right. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we can prove what God's will is for us. And his will is the best. Right. He wants us living. He wants us alive. It's a living sacrifice. It just takes time, of course. And it takes commitment. 
and it takes dedication and it takes reverence for God. Once we know, hey, this is God Almighty, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust him. He has not failed. He's, I'm basing this on the fact that he doesn't fail. I'm basing this on the fact that he's success story, that he's a living, he's the living success story. That if anybody understands what's going on here, it's him. Right? He knows more than me about it. And after that, it's going to kind of place you at ease, but you got to spend time with him. Also, uh, reiterating something else that we covered in part one of the subject was that God doesn't move by emotion or his feelings. He established what is right and what is wrong. And whether or not we agree with it, he even gives us understanding about why it's right and why it's wrong. And ultimately, it's because it works out best in the way that he says is right. So it may not feel that great at first. It doesn't feel great to have to go to the gym at first. It doesn't feel great to have to stop eating the way you used to eat so that you can lose weight or so that you can live longer. But when you look at the end goal, which is success, then you are willing to make that compromise. You're willing to sacrifice those things that are pleasurable to you so that you can, in the long run, have that success. You can suffer now and then reap the benefit of it later. So as we were saying before, it's really about faith. Okay, God, you created everything. You know how every single thing works, including me. So then I need to pay attention to what you're telling me so that I can have the successful life that you have. So I can prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's keep moving back to the blog post. Christians have authority in this world. Just as Adam and Eve had authority, and we reference Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, we are no longer subject to what happens here on earth if we understand that we have authority and use it to overcome any circumstance. You cannot always control what happens to you in life. However, you can always control how you react what happens to you in life, and that's what God is looking for. That's why he says he's with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Nobody's going to willingly walk into the valley of the shadow of death. Nobody wants to be around death. Nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody in their right mind, at least, I would think. However, when those situations come about, he gives you the solution. All right, we're here. You know, oh, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was. You can wish all day, but the, the real answer is what do we do now? We're here. What do we do now? God gives you that, what do we do now? He gives you the answer so that you can get from where you are to where you want to be. Although transforming our minds can definitely be challenging at times, it is attainable. Something I always like to say is where there's a commandment, there's the empowerment to do the commandment. So the commandment equals power. If there's something that God has told us to do or not to do, He's given us the power to do it or to not do it because otherwise he would be unjust. You can't give somebody a task and then not give them the resources they need to accomplish it. And God is not unjust in that way. Yeah, let's take a moment. I want to actually look at this because uh, you said something about we have authority on the earth. If we understand we have authority and use it, we can overcome any circumstances. We aren't subject to what happens here. Now I want to look and this is about to make me excited. Now I'm going to look at the law, right? The law of God, the Torah, first five books of the Bible, major, top major three religions on the earth, believe that it's holy, believe it was inspired by God, right? That's pretty much, I think still 90% of the people on the earth, the majority, far vast majority of people on the earth believe this. This is what happened. So this is historically, we don't just believe it's, it's a historical document. 
but it's also a spiritual document. So it's trying to give you some principles, give us some principles that are going to benefit us. Now, Genesis 26, chapter 1. This is talking about a person who was dealing with a situation in the land. Verse 1. Eh, 26, <laughs> verse 1. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Make sure you're reading it. <laughs> okay. Read it with me. All right. And there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And we're talking about Isaac. Isaac is Abraham's son. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. So there's a famine in the land. Isaac is dealing with a situation that's not favorable at all. There's a famine. Famine means there's no produce. There's the economy's down. Great depression type thing in that land. Abraham dealt with one too. The Lord appeared unto him. So there's worry and probably concern. But then God shows up and said, Go not down in unto Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn or live in this land, and I will be with you, and will bless you, for unto you and unto your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And he's talking about seed both in the natural sense of having children and seed as far as what you plant or what you sow, what you invest. I will make your seed, and he's telling them this in famine. Okay, he says, go unto the place that I'm going to tell you of. I will give you all these countries. I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham, my father, and I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. So there's a there's a famine in the land. And Isaac went unto Abimelech to get help. Pretty much. The Lord said, don't go to Egypt. He was going to go to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. He pretty much says, stay there. Right. Don't take your investment out. Now, it's not necessarily the word for all time, but my point is, is that this relationship with God, Isaac following God instead of the situation, and instead of reacting to the situation in a way that probably everybody else was. Everybody else was like, hey, there's money down in Egypt. Let's go there. They don't have a famine right now. Let's go there. So he's saying, live in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For unto you and your seed, I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath, which I swear on Abraham, thy father. Like, hey, I'm going to give this to you. Like, what do you mean? There's a famine here. Okay, <laughs> It doesn't matter when you're on the side of God. He can make things happen because you have authority in the world. And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. We'll give unto your seed all these countries in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws. So instead of Abraham, because when he met Abraham, Abraham wasn't keeping anything like that with God because he didn't even know God. What's he going to keep? But then Abraham learned, and this is before any law written out, a whole bunch of commandments, just what God told him to do, he followed it. Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of that place asked him of his wife. We can skip all past that. There's a little story here. Abimelech said, what is this how I've done? Let's move to verse... And I was thinking about skipping over this part, but actually this is valuable because even while you're going through something, you may make some bad decisions. You might do some things that you learned of your old life. God can still work with you as long as you're trying to change because it's a process, like we said. So the men in that place asked him of his wife and he said, she is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, 
lest, said he, the men of that place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon her, looked very good. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of Philistines, Philistines looked out at, at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. So he was pretty much flirting with her, like, husband and wife. Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is your wife. And how did you say, how did you say she's my sister? Why did you say that? Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What have you done to us? One of the people might lightly have lied with, lied with your wife, or, or pretty much had sex with your wife, and you should have brought guiltiness upon us. So Abimelech's a righteous person. He's, he's not trying to live like this. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Abimelech kind of ran into this before, too. Then Isaac sold in that land. So after this, after this issue that he had while famine's going on. So he's in famine. He's trying to just enjoy his life. He's still scared. He's still concerned. He's forced to stay here because God told him to, and he wants to follow God. And he's trying to make decisions out of his own head because, and this is how a lot of believers are. We kind of have a command of what God said, but then we kind of have an idea what we want to do. Or we kind of have heard part of what he said, and so uh, we're just going throughout life. Maybe God gave us this command. You're going to, uh, you know, be great, and you're going to live in this city, and you're going to be a big effect here, and I'm going to bless you. And in the meantime, we start trying to figure it out. Right? We start trying to deal with situations as they come instead of putting our trust in God. You know, if God told him to stay here, nobody going to mess with his wife. But he's still concerned. He's still doing it his way. But even with those mistakes, even with those type of things, because of the heart of Isaac is trying to follow God, trying to do what he said. It says here, and this is the key, one of the key verses. Then Isaac sowed in that land of famine. And received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him in famine. And the man waxed great in famine <laughs> and went forward and grew until he became very great when the economy's down. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds, or he had bank accounts, and he had investments, and he had stocks, and he had interests, and a great store of servants, and he had workers. He had, he, he's hiring people in famine. And the Philistines envied him because they're subject to the famine because they're not following God. So God, he understands our condition. He understands when we messed up because we wanted to mess up versus when we messed up when we were trying to do right. And that's a big difference here is that when we're trying to do the right thing and we're following God, that God can almost give us some credit for it. Like, okay, you know, you're trying to walk, you're, you're a baby. You're trying to walk, you fell, but just you're still trying to get back up and come towards me versus someone who's like, you know what, forget this. I'm not even trying or I'm just going to do my own thing or, you know, go away. As long as you don't have that kind of attitude, you can win in this life. That's a really good example, too. Although transforming our minds can definitely be challenging at times, it's it's attainable. Romans 12.1 refers to believers as living sacrifices. We're giving up life as we knew it to follow God. God's will for us is good and acceptable and perfect. There's absolutely nothing bad in that description. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. 
We need to gain the mind of God. He understands all of life's situations and shows us that we have the authority to overcome all things despite pressure and impossibility. As you just heard about Isaac sowing in famine and then coming out very wealthy and very enviable. That's the blessing. <laughs> well, how do we do that? The first step to gaining the mind of God is to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So in order to do that, you simply have to pray a simple prayer. All right. So if you're hearing this and you've not received Christ as your Savior, I mean, man, missing out is not even the word. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I get nothing for you receiving Christ except all glory goes to God. And, you know, he says, well done, I'm serving him. Right. Uh, and that's whether you do it or not. Just the fact that I am trying to be a vessel for him. So this is on you. This is on what you want to do with your life. It's on how you want to live. It's on, do I believe what God's word says? Because this is my opinion. This is all based on the verses that we read. Uh, and we're just trying to make sure that it's easily expressed to you. So just repeat after me. Say this out loud now. God in heaven, I repent from my way. I repent or change from my way. That's what that means. I believe in my heart. You sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him again from the dead. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I am reconciled to you. I am reconnected with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you just say that from your heart to God, you should be different on the inside. Amen. And now you may not feel it. But remember, we're not talking about feeling. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about how it feels. We're talking about something taking place that's going to change your life forever. Like it did ours. So if you do want to say that prayer, but you want a little bit more information before you make that commitment, because it is real, we encourage you to visit giftsuntomen.com. And on the homepage, from the menu at the top, you can either select salvation or you can click the No God button that's right there on the section of the homepage with the planet Earth in the background. And that'll give you more of a complete overview of exactly how salvation takes effect in your life and why it's necessary. So thank God for that. So that would be the first step in getting your mind renewed like God. The second step is to spend time reading the Bible daily and allowing it to become truth in you. Like we said earlier, we know that it might be daunting to start with the Bible. If you are looking for a way to introduce yourself to reading the Bible consistently, because I know for me, um, in the beginning, it was difficult to read the Bible. I try and start in Genesis and then I try and start in the New Testament. Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament, which is the first book of the Bible. I just couldn't do it consistently. I could probably count on one hand minus three fingers, how many times I tried to read the Bible. But once I really made the prayer to God with the understanding of I'm going to live my life the way God said I should, the way Jesus said I could, it was easy. So I started in the book of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament. And then I read through to the end. So I would encourage you all who may be wanting to start the Bible, don't know where to start, starting the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament, and then just read through because that's going to tell you 
not only about Jesus Christ, but who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's what's so beautiful about the New Testament. I know my reaction was, this is real. Why doesn't everybody know about it? I hope that's your reaction too. And I hope that it opens up your eyes to truth and gets you excited about God, puts that fire in your heart. So reading the Bible daily, maybe you just start with a couple scriptures, like we said earlier, pick one, even if you're familiar with the Bible already, or maybe you've heard a verse or a scripture that really stirred you up on the inside. And every time you eat a meal, every time you feed your physical body, feed your spiritual body just as much as you build up your physical self. If you don't know where to start reading, like I said, you can begin in the New Testament with the Gospel of John. And as you read, take note of scriptures that speak to your current situations that you might be in. Take time throughout the day to carefully read those scriptures and consider what they're saying to you. So although it might seem like I'm repeating myself over and over, it's for understanding how you get the word in you. It's something that you read and you hear and you read and you hear. And just as hearing something on the news day after day eventually starts to take a toll on you. Same thing with the Bible. You make time to hear the news, the good news that God has for you. And it starts to take effect on your body. Gifts unto men is a very good resource for scriptures. We have the word of wisdom on the homepage. We also have blog posts. And of course, as you're already listening to us here on this podcast, we have a podcast with an increasing library, well, increasing selection of episodes to hear. With time and sincere dedication, you will begin to notice a godly change in your thinking. We'd like to thank you for joining us here at Gifts Unto Men on this podcast about renewing your mind, part two. We thank you for sticking with us until the end. We hope that it's been a blessing to you and we hope that it helps you to enhance your relationship with God because ultimately this is what it's all about. A personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't about looking holy and sounding holy. This is about having a personal relationship with the creator of the universe and we're all working together to help one another to get there. God bless you. Remember that Jesus is Lord and we'll see you next time. See you next time.